Good morning, everybody. There's a, there, some of y'all I see regularly. Some of you guys, I don't see you every Sunday. So it's nice to be in the same room together and to share this time together. And as you guys know that uh, we've been in this series that we started this last month called Active Discipleship. And, uh, and yeah, that, that, the, the reality, right, is that, that this is our purpose and our mission as the church, right? To be disciples, followers of Jesus who make disciples. That, 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 that's what it's all about. Being a disciple of Jesus, right? Isn't like some passive thing. It's not this accidental thing. It's this really purposeful, intentional walk that we have with Jesus. It's active. And so to, to get at this thing called discipleship, we've broken this down into, into four essential elements of a disciple. And you guys know this last month, month of February, we talked all about worship. How, how being a follower of Jesus is being a Christ-exalting worshiper. Right, that, that it is a life lived unto God, and for the worship of God, the glory of God, as Romans eleven thirty six tells us. Right, it says that for from Him and for Him and through Him are all things. To Him be the glory, forever, Amen. And that, and so we talked about uh, how everything, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, all our life is meant to be directed to God. It is for Him. It is to Him. T today now we're going to start, uh, and for the month of March, we're going to be digging in the second element of this, the second piece of this, and, and we're going to be talking about identity, uh, about who it is that you are, according to God. Good? Everybody okay with that? So, so here's what I want to do. I want to just pray for this moment right now. I want to invite you to pray with me. Because um, one of the things that I'm a firm believer in is that God doesn't just want me to pray and hear from me. He wants to hear from you. Okay, and that's part of the way that we grow too. So I, so I want to pray, but I want to invite you to pray and just say, Lord, come and speak to me. Come and minister to my heart today. Come and, and Lord, give me ears to hear from you today. So Lord, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, come and move. Come and move, God. Come and stir our hearts today. Come and give us eyes to see you afresh and anew for the first time today. God, come and open up our ears in this moment, God, to hear your voice, to hear your words. God, come and open up our hearts right now, Lord, to receive from you. God, all that you have. Would you just tell them that, Lord, would you come and speak to me? Tell him, Lord, I want to hear from you today. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Thanks for this moment, God. Thank you that you purposed for us to be here right now. God, thanks that you want to speak to us. God, thank you that what you have to say is so much better than anything I have to say. So God, help us to hear you. We need you, God. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Here's, here's a question for you today as we get started. Who are you, really? Who, who are you? Like, if I, if I were to say, fill in this blank, I am blank, what is it that you would say about you? How, how would you answer that today? 
honestly, truthfully, not, not, not like, here's what I think I know the right answer to be. What would you really say about me? See, the answer to this question, who am I, is one of the most important things we answer in this life because the answer to this question will determine how it is that we live, what it is that we do. It is a life-directing and destiny-shaping question because ultimately it is our identity that determines our activity. It's our identity that leads our life. In the psychological field, they call this a self-fulfilling prophecy. Anybody ever heard this before, this term? It really simply just means that our belief about ourselves or about a situation results then in our actions and behavior expressing that belief. And the good news is, is that long before like someone in psychology figured this out, God spoke about this very thing in his word. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, he says, As a man thinks within his heart, so is he. As a man thinks within his heart, so is he. Notice what this doesn't say. This doesn't say, as God thinks about a person, so is he. No, no, no. It says, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. Meaning that you will always live and behave in a way that is consistent with how you see yourself and how you, what you believe about yourself, regardless of what it is that God thinks about you. Your identity determines your activity and what the Holy Spirit of God is constantly at work doing is looking and trying to align what it is that God says about you with how you see you so that you can ultimately then live and act in a way that is consistent with what he thinks because guess what? What God thinks about you is more true than what you believe about you. This is why repeatedly, consistently, continually, all throughout the, the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New, the, the, the Bible declares to us who it is that we are. And, and, and in the New Testament, the most common phrase that is given, more than 140 times it is in the New Testament when it talks about who you are as a follower of Jesus, who you are as a Christian, it says that you are in Christ. That's the term that's used. You are in Christ. That's your identity. It, it was the 17th century philosopher, Blaise Pascal, who said it like this. He said, not only, do we, uh, not only do we only know God through Jesus Christ, but we only know ourselves through Jesus Christ. We only know life and death through Jesus Christ. Apart from J Jesus Christ, we cannot know the meaning of our life or of our death or of God or of ourselves. It is only in Christ. In Christ, that's our truest identity. Now, now, now what tends to happen, if we're really honest, is we, we mostly tend to define ourselves by things like, like what we do for a living, right? Like by our job or, or whether we're married or single or have kids or we're a parent or, or, or we go to school, right? Like th those are the things, or maybe even by like our hobbies. I'm, a, I'm an artist, I, I'm a musician, uh, I'm an athlete, whatever that might be. But, but, but in reality, all those things are things that can help to explain you, but they don't define you. The, the truth is I'm a husband and a, and a father and I'm a, I'm a pastor, but that's not who I am because, because any one of those things can be taken. I can stop being any one of those things, right? But my identity in Christ shapes everything else in my life. It affects how I am a husband. It affects how I am a father. It affects who I am as a pastor. It affects my relationship with all of you. 
So, so, so what we have to do is be careful not to get these things mixed up because when, when you allow the things that explain you to define you, it's only a matter of time before ultimately those things fail you or maybe even devastate you. As Christians, we start with our identity and our identity is in Christ. Jesus says it like this in John 15, 5. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, then you'll bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, now I'm not a gardener, okay? Like I, everything we plant in our house dies, okay? Any, <laughs> don't ever give us plants. That, that, that sucker's gonna last about four days max, okay? Um, but, but, but here's what I know, is that in order for the branch to survive, it needs the vine, right? Like the vine is how the branch gets all its nutrients and nourishment for life and for growth. And Jesus here says, listen, listen, you're not the vine. And that's actually really good news for us. He's like, no, no, you're not the vine. And guess what? No one else is either. Nobody out there is the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the source. Just me. To, to be in Christ means that, that Jesus is my source. Jesus is my source for life. Jesus is my source for acceptance. Jesus is my source for love and for hope and for joy. Jesus is my source for meaning and purpose and everything. Jesus in Christ. And he says, if you remain in me, then you'll bear much fruit. Why? Because your identity determines your activity. When your identity is in Christ, the, the overflow, the outcome of that identity will be that you bear the fruit of God. So if how we live is going to be determined by who we are, then we've got to know who we are, right? And, and, and I think if we can be honest, oftentimes we, we, we open the Bible to find out who God is, and then we look everywhere else to find out who we are. And, and the truth is there's so many voices weighing in on that conversation, aren't there? Like from within us, from around us, from the culture, from media, from everywhere else, there's a lot of voices telling you about who it is that you are. And for a Christian, the Bible tells us that our identity is in Christ and everything else is to flow from that. Now, now in the 35, time, in 35 of the instances where it speaks about being in Christ, the, the Bible actually helps to explain what that means because that's a pretty broad term. Right? So say in Christ, that encapsulates, incorporates a lot of things. And so scripture in 35 instances breaks that down. We're not going to go over all those in our series, but we're going to try to highlight four of those that I think capture a lot of this. And, and, and the first one that I want to highlight for you today is just simply this. If you are in Christ, then you are a son or you are a daughter of God. If you are in Christ, then you are a son or a daughter of God. Listen to what God's word says about you. John chapter 1, verse 12, 13 says, But to all who did receive him, Jesus being in Christ, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, God says, I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Here's what, here's what the Bible says about you. The Bible says that, God says that when you receive Christ, when you become a Christian, out of his incredible and extravagant love in Christ, you become a child of God. You become born of God, into the family of God. Brand new identity. Brand new identity as a son or a daughter of the king. Your identity, he's saying here too, he says, it doesn't come from your upbringing. 
It doesn't come from your family. That's a very non-Western sort of way of viewing identity. In other parts of the world, you are defined by the family that you were born into, but your family of origin. That's who you are. That's your purpose. That, that's everything. And he says, nor the will of man, nor human decision. That's our Western thinking. All individualistic, self-determined, self-willed. No, no, I know who I am. This is who I say I am. And Jesus is like, no, no, not, it's not that. It's not your family, and it's not your own self Determination, it comes from God. Identity comes from God. It's really simply to say this. Your identity is received and not achieved. It is God-given and not man-produced. Now, here's the, here's the question for us this morning. Do you believe that? Like, like really, do you believe that? The, the, the problem we tend to run into so often is not that we don't hear God's word, not that we don't read God's word, not even that we don't speak God's word, but we don't actually believe God's word. Are, are, are you convinced today, like absolutely convinced that you are a son or you are a daughter of almighty God? Are you secure in that? Uh, and, and like, I'm not asking if you're convinced that God loves people. Okay, like Jesus died for the sins of the world. I'm talking about you as an individual today. Like you individually, if you and I are standing in the presence of God right now in this moment, and I say to the Father, yeah, Father, what do you think about Peyton? Father, Father, what do you think about Deanna? Father, Father what do you think about Chris? That, that guy says, oh man, I love her. Oh, that's my daughter, man. I, oh, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I love that daughter. I love my son. Oh, man, let me tell you about him. Here's all the things I think about him. Here's all the ways I'm just so proud of them. And, and I'm, I'm just, I can't even begin to describe to you. I can't begin to tell you all the, and God could just go on and on and on about how much you are loved and cherished and valued and accepted by him. It's like, are you convinced of that? Is that what God would say about you? Are you secure in that? Because here's the truth, right? If you don't, really believe that, then ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to spend your life trying to earn that somehow. You're going to spend your life out of your own insecurity trying to earn or deserve God's love or approval. You're going to work to achieve it rather than resting in a place of having received it. Like, like maybe if I just do enough, maybe, maybe if I just do this thing, if I just serve in this way, if I just, then God's, God's going to love me. God's going to approve of me. God's going to accept me. It reminds me a lot of the story of the prodigal son. You guys know that story? Right? Like many of you do. Luke chapter 15 is a great story. Read that this week if you haven't. But, but, but in this story, right, the, the, the son comes to his father to ask for his inheritance. He's like, look, dad, I'm good. I got this. I, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to go out on my own. I don't really need you. I'm going to be who I think I ought to be, live how I ought to live, right, in my own way. And, and so the, ultimately the father gives him his inheritance because love is in control. Right? And so, so, he, so he gives it to him and the son goes off and he just lives this crazy kind of life. He just does it his own way, ends up losing all his money, and ends up with nothing left, squanders all his wealth. And in the end, he says that he's eating out of a pig trough with pigs. That's where he's come to. And in the story, it says he finally comes to himself. He says, listen, I, I think I'm going to go back to my dad and I'm going to tell him, hey, dad, like, just let me be a servant in your house because like anything is better than this. Here's what it says, Luke 15, 18, 19. Here's what he says. says, I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. 
He, he's like, hopefully I'll go back and say, dad, I'll, like, I'll be a servant and he'll take that, right? And, and, and honestly, I think this is where many Christians find themselves today in, in this exact spot because it's so much easier, right, to believe that God would accept me as a servant rather than a son. And, and, and so, like, it's easier for me to get my mind around the fact that, like, God accepts Steve Van Denen as a servant because he's the creator and I'm the created, right? And so, of course, like, he's the king and I'm just, I, I, like, it's going to be whatever he says. It's easier for me to get my mind around that. What's difficult for us to believe is that in coming back to the father, that the father would say, no, 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 you're not going to be a slave. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're my family. I, I love you. We're going to celebrate you because you're here, you're home, where you belong, right? And the, and the Father will never accept you being anything less than his child. It, it's not about your performance. It's about your position. And, and so the heart of the Father is always firstly more focused on your relationship with him than your service for him. Uh, I, when, I, when I read this some years ago, God really like ministered this in my spirit about this story and, and what, what he ministered to me was this idea that, that nothing I do will change my position as his son, only my experience of him as my father. You get that? So, so, so like no matter what I do, I'm not, it's not gonna change who I am before him. It's only gonna maybe affect how I experience him because maybe I try to distance myself or get away. I'm just losing out on the relationship with my father. But it doesn't change what he says about me. It's in our relationship. It's in that closeness to him that we not only discover who he really is and more of who he is, but where we actually find out who we are. Because remember, the scriptures say that we were created in his image and likeness. So, which is to say that like, if I want to know who I am, then it helps me to know who he is. Because I was made to be like him. If I want to know what he does. I want to know what he's about. I want to know what he's like. Because that's what I was made to be like. So I don't need to go and try to find myself. I need to just be with him. And there's so much security in knowing that, that, that God is my father who loves me, who never changes, that he's not like an earthly father, right? And, and some of us in this room had really great dads, right? We would say, man, I love my dad. My dad taught me so much. Others of us in this room have different experiences. We, we, we carry a lot of hurt or a lot of baggage from our earthly fathers. And, and what can happen so often and so easily is that we take our experiences with our earthly fathers and we impose them upon God. And we say, well, that's just how God is. That's just what God is like then. O only we can't take the shortcomings of our earthly fathers and put them on God and define God by them. Instead, we have to take the truth of what God says in his word about who he is and use that truth to define earthly fathers by that, not the other way around. We, we, we test the goodness of earthly fathers by, by who the heavenly father is, not the other way around. Here, here's what the Bible says. It says that God is perfect. And as James 1, 7 says, 17 says, every good and perfect gift is coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I love that. He, he says this, he says, everything that is good, everything, okay? Everything that is good is coming from your Father in heaven, coming down life, breath, love, hope, peace, joy, right? All of it, all the fruit of the Spirit, all of that is coming, he says, not came, it's coming presently, continually. The, the Father pouring it out 
continually over and over and over again again for his children because he just loves his kids. Pouring out blessing and goodness. And not only that, it says he doesn't change. He's the same father yesterday, today, and forever, right? Which is really good because here's what that means. It doesn't mean like what kind of good father am I going to get today, right? Like what kind of mood's God going to be in today when I come to him? Is he going to, is he in a good mood today? Is it okay for me to come to him? Like some of y'all know what I'm talking, like some of you dads in the room, you, 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 you know that for yourself. I know I'm like that sometimes. I'm like, I got to go back to my kid. And I'm like, man, I'm so sorry. They came to me. They just hit me at the wrong moment. You know, God's not like that. We don't ever have to wonder what kind of mood God's in. We don't have to wonder, like, is God going to be present today and not tomorrow? Is he going to be available to me today and and then distant from me tomorrow? Is he going to be good to me today and then hurt me tomorrow? God's not like that. He's the same. He's always, he's always the same. He never changes, always faithful, always true, always loving, always gracious, always, always. Again, it's so good for us. Do, do I believe that? See, 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 right before James says this in verse 16, he says, do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. Don't, don't be deceived because there is deception that will rob you of your identity. There is a real enemy. There is a real kingdom of darkness. There is a real work against the kingdom of God and the people of God to deceive you and to lie to you uh, so that you'll believe something about you other than what is true about what God says. Jesus says this about Satan in John 8, 44. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue for he is a liar and the father of lies. The, the, the devil's a liar, Jesus says. There's no truth in him. Lies and deception, that's his weapon. That's his tool. And, and the scriptures also say, guess what? He masquerades as an angel of light. So he doesn't come looking like, we're, we're just like, that's obvious. Like sometimes I think we think about the devil like shows up wearing a pentagram. You know what I'm saying? Like, like come and do this terrible thing. And we're just like, well, no, obviously that's wrong. No, no, no. The devil comes looking like something good. He shows up looking like he belongs. The reason Adam and Eve weren't, weren't freaking out in the garden with the snake is because snakes belong in gardens. You know what I'm saying? So, so like he looked like he ought to be there. He, he shows up looking like, and he'll, he'll sound good. He'll, he'll look good. He'll say all kinds of things that, that, that maybe sound good to us, but in the end they aren't good and they certainly aren't God. He's a liar. And Jesus says there is no truth in him. None. So so it's not even kind of true. There's none. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus calls him a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's a thief. And Jesus, like his specialty is identity theft. That's his specialty. The, the, The devil isn't a creator. He creates nothing. Only God can create. So the only thing that the enemy can do then is take what God has created and pervert, distort, or destroy it. That's it. And so we see this perfectly in the Gospels and this inter- interaction between Jesus and the devil. This is this great scene in the Gospels. Most of you remember this story or Jesus' baptism and then he's sent out into the wilderness. And, uh, but, but, but Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry, right? And so he goes down to be baptized out of obedience to the Father. And, and when he is, the scriptures say that the heavens open up and, and, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and a voice from the Father speaks over him and says, this is my son whom I love and who I am well pleased. In him, I am well pleased. Now, 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 
What's important about that part of the story is this is before Jesus does the ministry. Okay, so like Jesus is about to begin his earthly ministry. He, he's, this is where he's kind of like, like revealing himself. And before this, it is the father affirming him and validating him before he does anything. This is true for us. This is what we got. Like when you receive Christ, when you're reconciled to God through Jesus, you receive what Jesus did for you on a cross for your sin, right? Like God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Same thing. Holy Spirit comes to you. Right? And the Father declares over you, you are my son, you are my daughter, who I love, and you are well pleased. So, so you're already approved. You're already loved. You're already affirmed. So, so ultimately then you don't work or serve for his love. You work or you serve from his love. The, the, the Bible calls this being born again, which I think is like the best picture. I think that's like the most appropriate picture of what happens here. Because anybody, any parents in this room or anybody in the room who's been around a new baby, we got a little baby back there, right? Like, what is it that babies do? They poop. They, exactly. <laughs> what do they do? Nothing. They cry. Yeah. Here's what they do. They lay around. They cry. They eat. They pee. They poop. That's what they do. Those are the things, right? Like, they're not paying bills. You know what I'm saying? They're not like taking out the trash. They're, they're, there's nothing they are contributing to the household in that moment, right? They're not serving the family in some kind of way. You never like looked at a baby and we're just like, hey, go, can you go clean that up or go start the car or whatever it is, right? Like, like they, they don't do anything. They are completely dependent on their parents. And yet you just love them, right? Like you're just, you're just, overwhelmed by your love for them. You just give yourself for their good. That's what God does for us in Jesus. Only his love for us is perfect. And it's because of who he is, not what we've done. And it's this very next scene then where, where Jesus is sent then into the wilderness and the devil shows up. And what does the devil do, right? So right after the father affirms him, the enemy comes to Jesus. And, and the first thing he says to Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God. Pretty convenient, right? What is the thing the enemy comes against Jesus? His identity. That's where he comes to. I mean, newsflash for us, maybe something. If the enemy would come against Jesus' identity, maybe, just maybe that's what the enemy is going to come against you with. Yeah. And, and so three different times, it's not even like the devil tries this one time with Jesus. It's a, he comes back one time and then he comes back again. If you're really the son of God, and then he comes back again. If you really are the son of God, right? If you've never read this story, go to Matthew chapter four, read that this week. It's such a powerful story. All right. But, but three times he comes back to, to Jesus to say, if you are the son of God, which is really him saying, maybe you're not. That's what the devil's trying to sow in your life too. Maybe you're not really a son of God. Maybe you're not really his daughter. Maybe he's not who you think he is. Maybe he doesn't really love you like that. Maybe he won't really care for you like that. Maybe he won't really protect you like that. Maybe he's not really available and around. So, so the enemy says to Jesus, if you're son of God, prove it, right? Pro prove it, show off, do, do these things. 
The devil attempts to get Jesus to perform, to act out of, out of pride, to assert his own way, to seek his own validation, his own significance. But Jesus doesn't accept any of his lies, right? Because he knew who he was. And more importantly, he knew who his father was. He rested in his love and acceptance, so he didn't need to approve himself. He was already approved. And he knew what the father had said. This is why why it's so important that we immerse ourselves in the Word of God. I, I feel like a lot of times, in, especially in certain uh, swaths of Christianity, it's like Scripture can kind of be this other thing. And people are like, well, you don't really need to know the Bible, just know God. No, no, you need to know the Word because that's how you know God. Okay? We, we got to know what the Father says about who He is, and we got to know what He says about us because guess what happens when you don't? You get deceived. Now, now, now look back at James chapter one, because after, after James talks about God being our good father, he reminds us about who, who we are in verse 18. He says, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of fruit, first fruits of all he created. Jesus tells us, listen, God chose you to belong to him. He picked you. Okay, he picked you. He picked you. He chose you. This language is a language in the New Testament that we see throughout this language of adoption. In Galatians 4, it says like this, it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. In Ephesians 1 verse 5, it says like this, it says, in love, he, talking about God, predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. This idea is super important for us. Okay, it's a really big deal. It's why the election, the, the doctrine of election is really good. Okay, because it means two really significant things for us. One, it means that you can't be all this proud and puffed up person because you didn't choose God, he chose you. Sometimes people get like super puffed up in their faith. Like, like there's this smorgasbord of like really good options and you picked God. You like did God some kind of favor. Now God owes you something. But, but, but here's what First John 4.10 says, says. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his atoning, uh, son is an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not, not a result of your doing or your love, but his. His love, his doing. And then Jesus some, clarifies it in John 15.16. He says, listen, you did not choose me, but I chose you. It, th- this is a truth that ought to make us live humbly and gratefully. Okay? God, I didn't do this. You did. Wow. Wow. What a, you did that? You picked me? But the, the, here's the other, so the flip side of that same coin though, right? We, we also then can't like wallow in our self-pity and condemnation and worthlessness if it's true that God picked me. You know what I mean? Like, like I got five kids. I love all my kids. I didn't pick them, you know? I, I didn't pick like this. I'm going to have this girl and this boy and, and they're going to be like this. And this is what they're going to be right. And I'm not minimizing that at all. But what I love about God is, and the scriptures tell us is he adopts us. So he specific, he picked you. He, he picked you. He didn't have to. He chose to. Right. Like like some of us really need that. Right. For today, because God, God's telling you, I didn't get stuck with you. You ever feel like that sometimes? Like, like you're just this big disappointment to the father. 
Like all you do is kind of fail and make mistakes. And you're just like, no, 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 no. Like, 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 like somehow God lost a bet or something. And he's like, oh, I guess I, you're the, you're the like last kid on the kickball team. And, you know, so it's like, well, I kind I had no choice but to take so-and-so, right? Like, no, 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 that's, God picked you. He desired you. He wanted you, specifically you, and he loves you. You're his son or his daughter. No human being has a right to sonship. It, it is purely a work of the love and mercy of God. Something that I, that I always think about is like, not even the angels, not the highest angels, even in heaven, the archangels, who are gathered around the throne of God, not even the angels in heaven are called sons and daughters of God. That, that, is a, that is a thing that is uniquely reserved for us, that God has given to us. You have been given an honor and a dignity in Christ that, that not even the angels have been given. We're children of God, loved, welcomed, accepted, approved by our Father with all the rights and privileges and blessings of being His child. That's our identity. But do I believe that? Do you believe it? That, that, that's what the Holy Spirit is constantly at work seeking to affirm in your heart and your life. Galatians 4.6 then says, Because your sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. He's saying, listen, you know that you're a child of God because the Spirit of God that has come to you testifies with your spirit that you belong to Him. There's a Holy Spirit work happening in you that's testifying that you're a child. You are a son or a daughter of God. And you know what it does? It stirs up childlike affection and in you for God. It, it stirs in you like the desire, like, like, like now I want to listen to him. I want to obey him. I want to trust him. I want to honor him. I want to celebrate him. I want to enjoy him. I want to be with him. I want to love him. Why? Because the scripture said we love because he first loved us. So, so, so the evidence of my receiving, my, like if I say, no, no, I believe I'm a child of God. You know, the evidence of that is that I have an affection for God, a love for God, a love for him. And I have a love for other people because I'm loved. And, and he uses this word Abba here, which is this familiar word, familial word. It's this, this really like personal, deep, uh, affectionate kind of word, it, it, it speaks to the fact that like, I know him. I, I know him. And so guess what? I don't run from the father. I run to him. L like when I sin and I fall and I whatever, I'm not trying to get away from the father because he's mad at me. No, no, I'm trying to come to him because he loves me. That's where I'm accepted. That's where I'm welcomed. That's where I'm loved. And yeah, he'll correct me, but he won't condemn me because he loves me. Do you know that this morning? I'm going to have Luke come back up and we're going to close. There's, there's so much, this idea of being a child of God, there's, there's so much that's there, but, but really what I want you to hold on to this morning is, is really this, that your identity as a son or daughter of God is something received and not achieved. And, and the question for you today is, will you receive it? Will you receive that? Will you rest in that? Will you rest in knowing that, that what your Father in heaven desires more than anything else is not you spending your life trying to earn his love or prove your love for him, but resting in his love for you?
Do you know that love today? Can you receive that? If you can, would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to respond with just our worship. But just giving our heart and affection to the Lord. And here's where I want to encourage you this morning too because I, like, we, guys, we, we can't, we don't fool God, okay? Like, like none of us this morning are here, like there's, some, there's nothing that God doesn't already know about you. So, so, so we, we can look however we want, but the Lord knows and the best thing we can do is just be honest and invite him to, to move us. And so, so I want to pray, but, but I want to just encourage you this morning that, that if you're here and you're like, you know what, if I'm honest, I don't know that I can say I don't know that I can say that I know the love of the Father. I don't know that I can say that, that the Lord sees me as his son or daughter. I don't, I don't know that. Or, or if I'm really honest, I don't know that I've ever experienced the love of the Father in my life. Like, like I've tried to do a lot of things to, to prove myself, but I don't know if I've ever just received his love. If that's you, then, then, then I want to invite you today to, to ask, first to ask the Lord, but, but I want to encourage you to, uh, we're going to make some time at the end of the, today to just pray. I want to invite you then at the service just to come and pray with people, just to come and be vulnerable and say, man, I just need the Lord to move in my own heart, my own life. I need to know the love of the Father. So God, I just come before you today, Lord. I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for us to come to the Father. God, that you call us your sons and your daughters. God, God, I pray for every single person in this room right now. Lord, who, Lord, first that they would know you. God, God, God that if there's a person, anyone in this room who's never received you, never, never received your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, Lord, who's never given you their sin and received your righteousness, Lord, that today would be that day. And if that's you today, that's, you can do that right now. You can say, Lord, I give you all my sin, all my past, all, and God, I put my hope and my trust in you. And the Bible says that, that, that the Lord will send his spirit. That you can be born again, receive the spirit of God, that you can be transformed and changed, receive that adoption to sonship, daughter of God. You could do that now. But if, God, I pray too for anybody who's here, Lord, who would say, Lord, I just, I feel like I, I don't know your love, Lord. I, I don't know that I can say I know what it is to be a son or daughter. God, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would minister in hearts right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that the love of the Father would wash over these sons and daughters. God, that we would know your love, not know about it, God, because we read it, but that we'd know it. And God, Holy Spirit, that you would affirm in our hearts our identity in you. God, love you. Lord, thanks for loving us. Lord, move in our hearts, move in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.